Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist and down-to-earth dude Ian Ashcroft about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. An award-winning magazine, Comic Scene is available digitally and in print in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada and the good old USA. Available by post, issue 14 of Comic Scene is out now and their biggest issue yet – In conjunction with Pipe Dream Comics, it contains reviews and signposts of every Indian small press comic you should own. There's also an exclusive interview with Pat Mills on Space Warp and bonus pages from the new comic anthology Shift. Stocks are limited, but get your copy today at getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene. On a side note, uh, this is the last week of my sixth Kickstarter, Access Denied, which is a one-shot sci-fi adventure comic about forbidden love between an android from Mars and a human from Earth. If that tickles your fancy, then be sure to check it out on Kickstarter by either visiting signalcomics.com forward slash access or simply clicking the link in the show notes or just searching for Access Denied on Kickstarter. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Ian Ashcroft. How are you doing? It's going really well. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure uh, to have you on. And um, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to, to finally kind of speak to you um, because uh, I've, I've been a, a, a watcher and a, and a fan of your artwork um, ever since the first uh, Kia Wordsmith came out. So it's a real, real pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's great. Um, um, and I always listen every week to this as well. So it's it's lovely to finally be talking. Yeah, great. Oh, 100%, man. I really, really appreciate that. Um, now, uh, for those that haven't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Okay, well, um, I work on a, a book called Keir Wordsmith, which uh, issue two is currently on Kickstarter at the moment. It'll be in its last week, I think, when this show goes out. Um, I do that with a writer called Dave West at Accent UK Comics. Um, I met Dave a few years ago at Thought Bubble, and he gave me a script for one of his books that he does called Tales of Western Noir. Um, I did I think it was 10 pages of that in the cover. And then on the back of that, he gave me Keir Wordsmith, um, which I completed the first issue in 2018. That went through a successful Kickstarter. And now we're back on the second issue. It's already funded. The book's all done. We just can't wait to get it out there now, really, and into the hands of the people who are backing it. And um, then... At the start of next month, I've got a book coming out with Pat Mills called uh, Space Warp with another, uh, a number of other artists. And I'm doing a story in that called Hellbreaker, which I'm very excited about as well. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So first, first to cover Kia Wordsmith, yeah. um, uh, just to give the listeners a bit of a flavour, how would you best describe it? Okay, it's about a, a female protagonist, a, a young girl called Keir Wordsmith, who is living in a city that's a bit war-torn, um, and she is a bit of an escapist, and she goes um, running and climbing um, over the city's rooftops at night. And um, in issue one, she comes across a wizard's tower, and she takes something from that wizard, And then issue two follows on with that, showing the consequences of those actions. And um, it's a really, I think it's a really fantastical and um, imaginative script that Dave's come up with. I've I've already seen um, the script for issue three, and I'll be working on that over the next couple of months. And he's just developing a world that's, like I said, full of imagination and creativity and strange and weird characters. And I just love drawing it and and love um, coming up with all these imaginary worlds. And it's it's just been a, a great 
um, endeavor and I love collaborating with Dave and um, I owe him a lot because he's sort of like the first guy who gave me published work. So it's just been a really nice project to work on. That's awesome. And yeah, that, that link to the Kickstarter is in the show notes, folks. So go click it and check it out whilst we're talking. Uh, now, moving on to uh, Space Warp with Pat Mills. How did yeah. that come about? So um, John Ottaway contacted me and just said that Pat is looking for artists for his new project called Space Warp. So I went on to millsverse.com, which is Pat's sort of like website that he's using. I think he's going to be creating a new website that's uh, specifically for Space Warp in the coming days, weeks, I'm not sure. Um, I went on there and he was putting up um, different scripts over the weeks. And I think Hellbreaker was one of the last ones that he put up. But I just like the concept. Um, He put up a little synopsis about each story. So I held on, waited for Hellbreaker, um, really loved the script and just started submitting work. I then submitted a page for Pat. He liked it a lot. And then I got, I, I just got the, I got the job from that really. So I'd done a couple of posts on Instagram leading up to it. And then, and then I'd, I submitted a full page of pencils and then it, it just went from there. He took me on and working with Pat, has also been a great experience. You know, Pat was the creator of 2000 AD. It's first, I think it's first editor. And he's so great to work with, very knowledgeable, always gives you great advice and feedback. And every bit of advice he gives, you know, it's completely honest. Um, it's just been a great education. And that along with Keir Wordsmith, they've just both been a pleasure to work on. And it's quite good because Dave and Pat work in such different ways. So Dave's um, script is quite loose and lets me kind of do what I want with the artwork. He doesn't tell me what the panel breakdowns or anything like that, where uh, Pat is a lot more structured in his approach and and really breaks it down for you and, and, and knows what he wants in each panel. That's not to say he doesn't change it if he thinks it can go in a different way. And he constantly responds to the artwork you produce for him. But, um, yeah, they've just been – I'm very lucky. That's the way I see it. Very lucky to be working on both projects. Well, it's a, it's, it's a bit of luck and it's a bit of preparation, isn't it? That's um, yeah. that's what it takes, isn't it? Like you, the, the opportunity was there, but it's only a, a talented artist that could actually take it on. So um, you're, you're kind of in a, in a fortunate position to be, to be a talented artist, but you put in the hard work. So, oh yeah, absolutely, it's, well, um, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. um, but I mean, what, what an education, though, to be able to work with with, with somebody as well renowned as Pat Mills. I mean, that's great. Oh yeah, and he's a, he's a hero of mine. I mean, you'll see from a lot of the choices that I give you today, he, he features in I think two of them. So uh, it's it's a it's a bit of a dream come true situation on that on that front. And then with Kia doing well at the moment on the Kickstarter, that just gives you a lot more confidence that people are interested in in following your artwork and following the stories that you tell with these with these writers that I'm working with. Definitely, hundred um, percent. And uh, just before we get into it, um, where can people find you online? Okay, so online, I'm just I'm just on Instagram. Um, my account is ian.ashcroft.art, and that's I'm I'm not on anything else. I haven't got a, a website or anything. But also, if you go to um, mills.com, you can see some of the early stage artwork from me and the other artists that have been working on it, I think it, as well as me, I think the six other artists who are all incredibly talented and um, their, their works there as well. So it's well worth checking out um, on yeah, millsverse.com. I think it is. Perfect. I'll, I'll put all those links in the show notes so people can uh, Thank just you. click through right there. Um, now, all of that aside, unfortunately, I do have some bad news for you. Um, and that is <clears throat> that there's been a super intelligent ape uprising. 
Um, now, we, we, we don't know whether or not it's connected to, to COVID-19 or anything like that or, or, or another strain of it. Um, but uh, we do know uh, that it's in, in, in the middle of England that it's spreading out from. Um, so my question for you is, uh, what is your action plan for survival? Well, if they're super intelligent, they might not even come. I live in Grimsby, so they might not even decide to come this way. But but assuming they do, what I'd probably do is take my family, my wife and my two girls, jump on, maybe try and get a trawler boat or, or some sort of sea vessel, uh, and then I'd probably sail around the coast of England, down the Mersey, pick up my family, then do a quick hop over the Irish Sea to Belfast and pick up the in-laws. And then I'd probably try and sail somewhere nice and warm and sunny and try and get away from it also. Maybe the Med, Portofino or something like that. Just relaxing on my ship. On my boat. Nice, man. That sounds yeah. like a great plan. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> No, that's perfect, man. Um, and so, um, when you're uh, when you're on the ship, um, yeah. and on on one very calm day, like sunny day, you've just you've you, you're setting sail um, for kind of you know down the coast of, of France, let's say, um, yeah. and it's all it's all very calm. Um, it's all nice and sunny, so you don't have to touch the steering wheel or anything like that. Um, and uh, your girls, they ask ask you about comics. Um, right. kind of trying to uh, get a bit of normality um, back into into life. And the first question that they ask you is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Well, I was quite late to comics. Um, my friends weren't really into them. I can't remember any of them were really reading it. My cousin did a little bit. He read a little bit of 2000 AD, but... It wasn't really a big part of my life, to be honest. And then when my first daughter was born, you know where you get to that point where you do anything to try and keep them entertained? And I can remember I took her to the library in Cleethorpes and uh, she was sort of sat in the child area. And I can remember looking across at this uh, bookshelf and uh, the Dark Tower um, graphic novel series um, based on the Stephen King books was sat on the shelf and to be honest it was the artwork that just jumped out at me by Jay Lee um do you know who Jay Lee is have you ever no, seen I, any I of hadn't, his I hadn't, I hadn't come across across him no all right well his work is really I, I just I'm very inspired by it and especially in the early part of my artwork I was doing a lot of artwork sort of using him as an influence and I like to think I've moved away a little bit more and found my own sort of style. But his was the first work that I looked at and I thought, this is a really amazing medium. Um, And I looked through these books and I just thought, you know, he creates these sort of graceful, elegant figures that are standing in like fantastical, organic, surreal landscapes in these books. And there's a sort of stillness to his work that I think maybe some people would criticise him for. I think he sort of puts the composition of the pages maybe ahead of um, uh, maybe ahead of the storytelling a little bit, and perhaps they're a bit too still for some people. But mm. I, I really, really like his work. The sort of his figures sometimes posed in sort of like strange or awkward positions, um, but they sort of have like hair and folds of clothing that also sort of becomes almost like decorative patterns it's really elaborate work and i just really loved looking at it so i picked up a few of those as trade paperbacks and in the back of them you can see all his pencils um which go on to be covered by an artist called richard eisenhove and it's just amazing work and i really enjoyed looking at it there's a sort of strong sense of symmetry to everything that he does mm. um, and the lines and the detail work it's it's almost as if he's drawing in like an ambidextrous style. And it's really difficult to explain. Like some some artists, you can see whether they're left or right-handed because of the direction of the line work. But his work seems to spread out from the center, both in left and right directions. It's 
it's really quite unique stuff. Um, and for me, his best work was in, in that dark tower. He's done a lot of other stuff, but his early work, which I've gone back and looked at, I'm not a massive fan of. And what he's doing now seems to have got a bit more sketchy and loose. But um, if you get a chance, you really, you should have a look at it. It's really good stuff. And that would be sort of like the comic that just got me thinking. I'd always loved book illustration and I sort of wanted to go in that direction at one point, I think. But Mm. that made me really look at comics as a way of of creating and drawing and doing my own stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible artwork and, you know, the use of shadow. Um, that Jay Lee's got that you know I I, I looked at in, in preparation for this interview. It's it's incredible. And I can see the similarities. Yeah, um, definitely. Like uh, where you, where you've picked up um, a bit of inspiration. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that that's fantastic. And how many years ago was that? Sorry. Okay, so it will probably have been about eight years ago. Yeah, right. probably yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe eight or nine years ago. But yeah, because when did you start being an artist? So I did what a lot of people would do. I, I, you know, I enjoyed art all my life from a very young age. I can remember it was my main pastime and a hobby. And then I went on, did my GCSEs, my A-levels and got a degree in it and then sort of drifted away from it, you know, trying to find a, jo- a job, <laughs> worked in retail for a long time. And then um, when I was about 24, 25, I actually became an art teacher, which is what I still do as my day job in a secondary school. And, um, yeah, so it's always been a massive part of my life, to be honest with you. And, and then I think I was just looking at, at you know, when being an art teacher, you're doing a lot of artwork, but it's it never gets completed because it's usually demonstrations that take like 10, 15 minutes max. So right. I got a bit frustrated that I wasn't really creating anything that was substantial, and I was looking for that. And then obviously when I saw this book, that, that gave me the starting point. And then, and then after that, I was looking at loads of different artists and loads of different creators to try and find a style and a lot of the the uh, comics that I'm going to mention today, um, there are some exceptions, but a lot of it, it's the artwork that draws me to it before the premise of the story or anything like that. For sure, definitely. Um, and so how, how did uh, Dave actually find you for Kia Wordsmith? Um, I, now that I live in Grimsby, funny enough, um, a friend, a friend that I've made since being over here, he used to write for 2000 AD and um, he created a character called Cinnamon um, that Lawrence Campbell drew. And I was talking to him and it just said, you know, I'd, I'd like to get into it. So he gave me a script that I worked on and I think I did about 24 pages, all sequential, put together a portfolio and then took it to Thought Bubble. I think it was in 2015 bumped into Dave, showed it to Dave. Dave saw something in it that he really liked and just um, basically that's when he offered me the Tales of Western Noir story, which was in with uh, Gustavo Vargas, who is an amazing artist as well. And I think it was, I think that was um, both of our first published pieces of work as well. So, I always, I always keep a close eye on it, on how he's doing, and his his stuff's amazing as well, you know, and and winning comic of the, I think he won comic of the year or something like that. So it's an absolute pleasure to see him doing so well as well. Totally, man, um, and that and that's how it all starts, really. Like yeah. A lot of those things like getting your artwork out there and physically as well, kind of going to shows and stuff. Um, yeah. That's, that was, that's absolutely fantastic, and then obviously it just went on from there. Um, so, you know, hopefully he just goes from strength to strength, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he definitely will. He, he's, he's got something really special with his sort of um, cyberpunk adventures that he's drawing. I, I make sure I pick him up as often as I can. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a real talent. For sure. Uh, same with you, mate. So, oh, know, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see, seeing you uh, get, get hired more and more. 
<laughs> well, uh, yeah, that would be great. But we'll just see. I mean, I, I'm quite content at the moment with uh, Kia and and Hellbreaker with Pat as well. That they're just they're just great. It, it, I keep on saying it, but it is a real um, it's 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 a real big moment for me at the moment. Hundred percent, man. That's great. Uh, now uh, your girls move on, and they yeah. ask, uh, "What's the funniest or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most?" Okay, so I have to confess, I haven't <clears throat> got in my collection that many humor comics, and I think because I didn't come into it until quite later on in life, I sort of missed out on all the Beano and Dandy kind of thing. Um, so I've gone for now. I don't know how to pronounce this 100. percent I've gone for something called I think it's either Sharon or Karen comic. It's on Instagram. It's by Dan Harris. Um, it's just short three panel gag strips um, based around the ferryman myth um, of, of Greek, uh, Greek um, mythology. It's a really simple style, um, but it's very clear. It's very effective. It does the job telling the story. And the main character is this little, like, school-like death character. And um, all the jokes sort of center around him carrying the dead across uh, this river um, to take them to the, um, the the land of the undead, I suppose. And he introduces little characters like Thor and um, all these other little interesting characters that he's constantly ferrying to and from the afterlife. And it's just a gentle kind of humor. It's, it, you know, it's nice because it doesn't take you long to read through him. I think he puts out pretty much one every day or every other day. And sometimes they sort of like get set up one day and then it will follow on from there. And the gag will continue over a couple of days. But, yeah, it's, it's a really nice little thing that I enjoy looking at on Instagram. And um, another one that I'd give a little mention to as well is um, – Atomic Hercules by Adam Falp and Tony Esmond. Um, sure. I've just had issue two come through my door a couple of days ago, and um, the art perfectly works with the story. Um, it, I don't think it's taking itself too seriously. I think it's meant to be um, quite satirical as well. And um, it, it's a bit coarse, but it, it is very funny, and uh, it, you know, it's, it's another one that. So they would probably be my two. I don't know if I'd mention Atomic Hercules to my girls, to be honest, but no, no, <laughs> it no, is no, a no. funny comic. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, and, it uh, is. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know where it can go. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um I just, yeah, it's um, a rather, uh, yeah, um, what's the best way to describe it? Um, what would be the best way to describe it to someone? I don't know, with a warning probably of some sort. I know, yeah, but, yeah exactly. it, language, like expect explicit language before we go into it. Do you know what? I'd probably call it brave. If I, to be honest, if I had one word, it'd be brave because they're not holding back with anything. They're not censoring themselves. They're not thinking of whether they're going to offend people or not. And um, I think that's something to be commended, really. So, yeah, that, that'd be the word I'd use. That's a great way to put it. Definitely. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, changing gears, the next question that comes up is what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read? Okay, um, so I know a lot of people have mentioned Mouse on, on this podcast before, but for me, there's another war comic that is equally as harrowing and upsetting. And this time it focuses on the Great War and it's written by Pat Mills and it's beautifully drawn by, um, I hope I got this pronunciation right, I think it's Joel, Joe Calhoun, Um and I know that Pat rates him as one of the best he's worked with, if not the best. The art is incredibly detailed. The whole story is incredibly well researched. I actually bought it from a dad who um, who finds that area of history really, really interesting. Um, but obviously I read it before I gave it over to him. And um, it's just the one I got for him was the definitive collection from Rebellion. Um, there's two books of it, and it shows all Joe's original 
pages in black and white along with the colour pages. Um, the story follows uh, a young boy, really, called Charlie Bone, who um, joins up to fight the war for the British Army. Like I said, the whole book is very well um, researched and it always presents you with the drama and the horror of war at the same time. Um, there's there's an anger behind it all that I think if you listen to Pat, you can hear it coming through. It's something that he's obviously very, very passionate about and it sort of shows you the total waste of life and the book's constantly showing you that all these um, soldiers are just their whole lives hang in the balance all the time and, and chance sort of rules the outcomes of so many of their lives. Um, it paints a broad picture of like the hurt and the futility of war, but it's also very personal and like I said, very detailed. Um, there's one particular scene in volume two, I think it's in, um, and it sort of features the horror of Verdun, or Verdun, I'm not sure on the pronunciation, and it's sort of showing a gas attack. And it's it's so vivid and it's so beautiful, uh, uh, sorry, brutal. Mm. But I don't know, it, it's just a really thought-provoking book and it's quite a heartbreaking moment in, in, in the past. You know, it's probably one of the greatest injustices in all our past and that certainly comes out through what pat writes and you know it's called the greatest anti-war book of all time because it it really hammers home those hard messages and it's just a brilliant book i think it's something that if you haven't read it's well worth a read and there's absolutely loads of it to get your teeth stuck into so yeah i mean that could have gone into my my most horrific book as well to be honest but yeah i thought it was a perfect one for you know a very sad moment in time and also it's just done so so well as well yeah no that's amazing and uh it's it's one i hadn't come across yeah before um so i i really appreciate becoming aware of it because uh, it's definitely the type of thing that I'd, I'd i'd love to read and properly absorb because um, it's always fascinating to kind of read those things and like it, it starts off with charlie doesn't it and he's yeah he, he basically try he forges his age yeah um, he forges his age to yeah, join in yeah yeah to, to join the army i mean and of course i'm sure like many young lads at that time were like oh we'll go to war we'll have a good time then we'll come back and we'll have crumpets it's like yeah no. <laughs> yeah no, that is not what is, is going to happen which is so heartbreaking of course um, it, it's a book that sort of highlights maybe some of the lies that that generation were sold and, yeah, and and like I said the futility of it all and it's just a real, real poignant message and it's 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 one of those books that you think if it isn't it, it maybe should be in some schools you know because yeah. I think it'd be a great way for children to just recognize what was going on in that time and that's maybe one of the things that comics can really do I'm sure I'm sure some schools do use it I like to think so, um, and and hopefully teach us not to make the same mistakes again. Yeah, which, which is often like one of the most important bits of those ty- types of literature, isn't it? <laughs> and I just try yeah. to say, don't make the same mistake, please. Yeah, but we <laughs> keep doing it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, moving on from that horrifying thought, uh, the next question that comes up is: What is the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read? Okay, so I've done a bit of a cheat here. I'm sorry, because um, it's not strictly a comic, but it is drawn by one of the greatest comic artists, I think. And it's by Bernie Wrightson, and it's his um, illustrated book of Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. It's just incredible, black and white pages, brimming with levels of detail that are just beyond anything I've really seen before. Um, you get these scenes of like laboratories with, I don't know, all, all the different types of medical equipment you can imagine, libraries with books and, and attic rooms. And um, it's just awe-inspiring. It's, it's probably the thing that really grabs my attention with it is alongside the detail, the way he uses light and shadow to create 
what just looked like brilliantly realized visions of this this iconic story um um, there's one particular illustration of, I think it's the monster sort of cowering in a barn and through the slats of the barn, you can see light pouring in and it's just done, considering it's done just solely in black and white, it's it's incredible. And um, there's just some there's something about it that makes it really good horror in that some of the images are really grotesque and quite disturbing. There's one of a body hanging and, but you can't stop looking at it, you know, like a really good horror film where you want to turn away, but you just can't cause it, it's engrossed you. And that's exactly what this artwork does. You just stare at it and pour over all the details. And artistically, I think it's just an absolute masterpiece. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, um, I could look at all day and I'm sure anyone who's seen it would say the same, which you just can't help be inspired and impressed by it. 100%. I mean, look, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I looked at it before, before, um, before the interview, of course, but I mean, just like, as you say, like the medical equipment yeah. in the background and, and particularly on the front cover that I'm looking at where you got the monster, I assume holding Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, that's that's that, unreal. Right? Yeah, like you've got the light on the monster and, and on Dr. Frankenstein. And like, I don't know, just it's so vivid. Um, and I can't even imagine getting my head around where you start with something like that. No, neither like, can with, I. With all, the, with all the medical equipment, there's rafters in there. Yeah. Um, and all sorts. I don't know. It's incredible. He's just a master craftsman. And it, it's stuff like that, you can't reproduce. You can't recreate that. It's just a moment where someone is doing something really, really special. And mm. it, it's timeless work. It really is. It's, it's so good. And another one is that I'm just looking at, at it is, uh, is Dr. Frankenstein just sitting at his, sitting in uh, his chair yeah. in his library, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, um, and like you know, the drapes are all ripped and things like yeah. that. I like so, the amount of books, all of that. Oh my god, it's so gothic, isn't <laughs> it? It's just it really is. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great, and I, I know it's not strictly a comic, but when you've got someone like him who's, who's so famous for his comic work, I just I just thought it was very appropriate for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. That's a great answer. Fantastic. Another another book that I'm glad to become aware of because that, that's fantastic. That's the type of thing that I'd definitely buy. Um, and just as you say, just pour over. Yeah. Just look at the artwork and like, look at the real detail because there is so much detail in those pages. Yeah. I mean, you could stare at one of the illustrations for hours, couldn't you? Just he's He's done it to be like looked at and revisited over and over again. And it really does do that. It commands your attention. That's it. Commands your attention. That's a great phrase. Definitely. Uh, now, uh, moving on to uh, one of my favourite questions, and that is, what is your favourite cover? Uh, <laughs> well, like everyone else, I haven't really got a favourite cover. It's 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 just you're constantly looking at lots and lots of different artists, but I do have artists that I really am fond of, and I've gone for one by Lee Mayho, who I think is a great artist. He did... Um, a book called The Joker, where he sort of designed the character that I think they used. Um, Heath, Ledger, Heath Ledger's Joker, I think, is very closely based on it. And right. he he is a really great artist. And I have chosen, I think it's issue 225 of John Constantine Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really awesome work. Um, you've got Constantine sat on the edge of a bed. He's got his head in his hand. Um, he's got a cigarette in his mouth and the smoke is sort of billowing up from the cigarette and um, forming like a woman's face out of the smoke. It's just a really strong image and there's a there's like a diagonal black shadow going through the background that really helps the composition because it allows the white smoke to really stand out against that black background whilst not really compromising the detail on the figure at all. And the colours that are used are kind of sickly and the whole thing's a bit jarring. And, but 
again, the detail, uh, like with a lot of the artists that I'm sort of talking about, it's very representational and realistic. And that's the kind of thing that really draws me in. And yeah, he would be another one that after I've discovered Jay Lee, he was sort of like the next one that I found. And whilst I've got so many covers that I could have mentioned, I just thought, I have to give him a little bit of a mention because I just I really admire what he can do with his artwork. Totally, it's a it's a really strong image. Um, he just looks desperate. Yeah. Um, doesn't know what to do. Yeah, looks of it. Yeah, um, and yeah, just completely. And he's sort of staring straight out at you as well, like he's almost looking for your help as well, which is quite an interesting take on a character that's ultimately sort of like the hero or the anti-hero of the book. Yeah. So it draws you in straight away. Oh, definitely. No, that's that's incredible artwork, isn't it? Um, and again, yeah. you know, it's it's just incredible when when you guys as artists are able to come up with things like that. I don't know if you've ever seen my uh, my chicken scratch drawings that I've I've sent to to my artists uh, that I work with for access to. Yeah. Um, so my 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 Ooh. cover layout. <laughs> just being like stick people <laughs> and just kind of like oh yeah just put like a city <laughs> over here <laughs> you know? and like some stars yeah. and stuff like that and then, like Michael comes back to me like three days later and he's like yeah here you go and I'm like oh my god that's just incredible it's just so good <laughs> yeah, right, the art on that. just to like write stuff down and go okay I want to see what you do <laughs> well it, that that looks amazing and um that, that, that kickstarter it looks great appreciate that yeah that's awesome man um and then uh, did you have any other covers at all that you'd like to give a shout out to yeah i mentioned um two lilites sort of judge anderson on 2000 ad as being a real standout but i also like like i'm probably like a lot of people i like alex alex ross's work i find um really uh, the way he paints sort of almost i think he uses reference to do it it's just that's that's fantastic work as well uh adam Hughes is another one that i think is very very good at what he does um there's just there's so many isn't there you could go on and on and on but um there's there's a lot of very talented artists and i've um I got given a book of all the Marvel covers, like the standout Marvel covers and going back and seeing those, what those early artists were doing as well. And the amount of time they had to, you know, they didn't have the time to dedicate their artwork to sort of like Bernie Wrights and sort of standards that he does in that Frankenstein book. It's, it's quite sort of spontaneous looking. And so, yeah, I've looked at a lot of different covers and a lot of different artists and, um, they always they always act as some form of inspiration, whether it's the way they lay things out or or just the general drawing style, you know. Definitely, that's awesome, man. Uh, now, the next question that comes up is, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Okay, so I'm going to go for Slain. Um, and that is... Firstly, because you got Pat creating such a, a rich story that's based around Slane's adventures using British and Irish um, sort of Celtic mythologies and history. And, you know, they're sometimes brutal, they're sometimes humorous, but they're always entertaining. And the other reason I've chose it is because of the level of the artwork done by many, many different artists over time. And it's intimidating the amount of sort of like the level that some of the artists have managed to get to. And Pat seems to have a knack of always selecting top artists to work on this book. And for that, I've always just loved looking through the pages of Slain. And I think a particular highlight for me, I mean, I, I love the more recent ones um, by sort of like Simon Davis and Clint Langley. They're really amazing as well. But Glenn Fabry's ink work on, I think it's The King, is is wonderful. If you haven't seen that, it's well worth checking out. But the one I'm going to sort of go for is um, The Horned God by Pat Mills and Simon Bisley. Um, Bisley's art in it is, is fully painted. 
And it's he's another one. It just seems effortless. He he seems like he's he's got huge amounts of natural talent, and uh, it's got that sort of brutal grotesqueness that um, I've seen in quite a lot of these artists' work. But at the same time, it's just absolutely stunning. And then you've got this story that's sort of based around goddesses and all these mythical creatures and. You've got Slain disappearing down into this cauldron to meet up with this earth goddess who tells him he's going to become the horned god. And the whole thing is done as if it's recounting the tale and this dwarf called Uko is like retelling you what's gone on in, in, in his adventures and stuff like that. And that's where the humorous side of it comes in. And there's a lot of really standout moments. And some of the artwork, like I say, is, is iconic. I mean, for me, Glenn Fabry is probably the slightly stronger artwork. I don't know. But I think in terms of all the slain stories, that is the one where, for me, the story and the artwork, it's just a perfect matchup. And it's another great book. I, I, I and again, it was another one that I found quite early on. And I had vague memories of maybe seeing it in the past, looking through some copies of my cousin's 2000 AD. I don't know, but it felt felt almost nostalgic while I was looking f- through it as well. So, yeah, that would be that would be one that I'd really see as being quite meaningful to me, especially now that I've got this chance to work with Pat. Oh, that's great. That's so good. Yeah. And, and just out, out of um, chance, are you, are you a fan of Space at all? I have watched the odd episode, but um, I think one of the I think the artist on Space is it Jim Murray or something? Because I think he's done some slain work in his artwork as well. He, he's another artist that I really love as well. But oh, he, no, I'm sorry, I meant the sitcom Spaced. Yeah, could, isn't he? A, oh. Is it? Isn't he a comic artist or something like that in Spaced? Yes, so, so, yeah, no, no, you, you got that 100% right. So yeah. Tim, um, who's the main character, um, and this will connect the dots in a second. Okay. Um, Tim, who's the main character, he, he is a, he's, a, uh, he's a comic artist. Yeah. Um, he works in a comic shop and he's trying to write his first, uh, well, have his first graphic novel, novel published. But his surname is Bisley. And that uh, is right. Simon Bisley. He's literally yeah. named, like the, uh, the writer's literally named him after Simon Bisley. Yeah, he's become quite an icon, hasn't he, in British comics and worldwide. And he's someone that everyone sort of think there's a lot of people that have. I mean, there's other great artists who paint fully paint the pages of Slain, but I think he was the the blueprint that everyone sort of aspires to. So yeah, that's why I think he sort of is uh, such a big fan favorite. Definitely, creme de la creme. Yeah. Uh, now uh, moving on uh, to our next question and that is what's the most underrated comic that you've read okay I've chosen an indie book called Stevenson's Robot it's published by Accent UK and it's written by Dave West it's got art by someone called uh, well he goes by the name of Indio um, and Dave has sort of crafted a story based around a group of if you like outcasts um, sort of like a circus theme to the characters as well and they're being aided by this this robot, this war machine um, that's being, I think it's called Kingdom, that's being created by Robert Stevenson, who built, you know, Stevenson's rocket and all that. And um, in, in this sort of world, he, he's crafted these robots and they go around fighting the Nazis. There's magic and science in the stories as the issues develop. Um it's really strange and weird. There's times where there's sort of like rich demonic rituals sort of ha- happening. Um, and Brad's art is, it really fits with the story. It's kind of strange. I, I describe it as sort of a cross between shaky cane and, and maybe Mobius, something like that. It's, he, um, you might have seen his work on things like, I think he did Ray Gun Roads with Owen Michael Johnson. Right. And, uh, I think the first four issues are out and I think the last two are coming out sometime this year and I don't really hear anyone talking about it and I think it's the artwork's really strong. Um, It took me a while, I'll admit, to adjust to the artwork but the more I see of Brad's work, the more I enjoy looking at it and it's a really interesting concept, I think, and it's sort of... 
some of the characters that are in it actually appear in Keir Wordsmith as well. So Dave's obviously creating a universe all of his own. And it's just a really, if, if you're at it, when Comic Con start up again, or if it, I don't know if he's going to kickstart it, I'm not sure. But if you're, if you're ever at a Comic Con, really, it's worth stopping by their table and checking out things like Stevenson's Robot and Western Noir. You know, there's some really good creative pieces of work going on. Um, and they've been around as a small press publisher since, I think, 2000. So they've been doing this for 20 years. And I think just having that longevity to stick with something for that amount of time, you know, full credit to them. I think they do a great job and they put out great, um, well-priced, well-produced books. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Stevenson's Robot as my most underrated comic. That's awesome, man. I'm going to have to pick that up when uh, Comic Cons actually get going again. <laughs> yeah, whenever that might be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll at least get Thought Bubble at the end of the year. But we'll I hope so. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, now, uh, moving on to our most difficult question, and that is for you, what is the best comic of all time? Okay, I've, I think I might have cheated again, so uh, I've gone <laughs> for... Right. <laughs> You're playing I've within gone... the rules. You're playing within the rules. It's not <laughs> but... I've gone for 2000 AD, so the whole thing. And the reason I've gone for that is because I think it is done more for British comics than any other book. So for mm-hmm. British comics, I think it is the best comic. And it's given a platform to some of the most love creators from Britain and Ireland. And, you know, you think about the names who've worked within 2000 AD, who maybe were starting a career at 2000 AD and what they've gone on to achieve. And really, I just think of it as something that deserves that little bit of a special mention. You know, I'm not saying it's always been consistently the best thing anyone could read. And sometimes the artwork's great. Sometimes, you know, it has had its moments where it's not been so. But in terms of a platform for people to build amazing careers that we all get to enjoy seeing what they produce, I think 2000 AD just deserves that little bit of a shout out as, as that comic that has really done probably more um than than a lot of others for for the industry in britain and beyond so yeah i've just gone with that one i haven't got a particular prog in mind or or anything like that i just thought it would be sort of like a good a good mention for that sort of thing and well, well deserved. I mean, yeah. it's, it's incredible, you know, how long it's been around. And yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's, it's uniquely British. In a yeah, way, it is. As well. it is. I mean, of course it is, it is British, but I mean, you don't necessarily have that in America. No. And I think maybe that's the thing that slightly holds it back now is it is its Britishness. I'm not sure how well it sort of translates to other countries, but Certainly the talents of the artists and the writers that have worked on it does. Um, You know, and I think it just became sort of like a platform, didn't it, for people to get into Marvel and DC and stuff like that. So it's shaped British comics massively, but it's had such a big impact on on, on global comics as well. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, that kind of that knock-on effect um, with you know, everybody that's kind of been through that process, like your Alan Moores, Grant Morrison, Mark Miller, all of them that have kind of gone yeah. through it, you know, and obviously gone on yeah. to be massive influences within comics on a global scale. Um, yeah, no, it's just incredible, isn't it? It really is, yeah. So I think it sort of deserves sort of recognising. But, yeah, I mean, I think there are, I think there are better comics out there, better individual issues. I'm not saying there isn't, but... Yeah, but they definitely absolutely need the uh, the uh, the recognition. You said it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Hundred percent for that. It's uh, it's hundred percent well deserved. Uh, now, uh, moving on to our last question in regards to comics, and that is: if okay. you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Right, I've gone for Low by uh, Rick Remender and uh, Greg Tashini. Um, I read this 
when it sort of first come out, I got four trades of it. I don't, I'm not sure if any others have come out since, but um, I can remember again being drawn to the artwork and Greg Tashini's sort of really loose, almost sketchy kind of work. It's a little bit different from the other people I've mentioned. But it, again, it's just got that natural flair and he seems to be able to play with angles and design locations um, and it's so fluid. I think at times it's it, it's really, really strong and then there's others where it can come across a bit rushed. But um, the story is about survival as well and it's about aquatic survival. So that's why I'm going to take it into my apocalypse because I'm going to be on a ship. <laughs> And I might need a few tips on how to survive. But, uh, yeah, um, it's sort of, like, centred around this main character. I think she's called Stell. And she sort of very early on loses almost everything that she holds dear. But there's that sort of the, that hum, human quality of f- trying to survive and trying to fight back and... Um, I think that would probably be quite a good thing to dip in and out of if you were going through a situation like the apocalypse. So, yeah, that's the one I'd probably take with me. Fantastic. And then along with uh, all of the issues and and volumes of low, uh, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse? Um, I'm going to take a harpoon because if I need to go fishing, I can use that and uh, feed everyone. And also if... It's obviously a great weapon as well, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I take a harpoon in, in with me as well. Double trouble. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like kind of fighting off uh, some super intelligent apes uh, <laughs> with a harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might just get one of them, but, it, uh, yeah, that's what I'd take. Try your best. Try your yeah, best. try my best. fantastic well ian uh, ashcroft thank you so much for sharing your comments for the apocalypse it's been a real pleasure no thank you for having me on fantastic and uh, for the listeners one more time where can they find you online okay so i'm at instagram at ian.ashcroft.art keyword smith is currently running on kickstarter i think it, it will have a week left and then millsverse.com to find out more about space warp fantastic um and then uh, had you planned to go you want to any comic cons i always try and get to thought bubble i've never been there as um as as a creative i've never had a table or anything like that i've only ever tabled at nottingham comic con which i really enjoyed i'd love to do more of it but yeah really yeah thought bubble's the one that i go to um i've been to it most years um since i sort of got into comics and I'm, I'm really fingers crossed it will run, but if it doesn't, I am. When we come out of the coronavirus situation, I'm I'm really hoping that I can get to a few more cons and get to meet some more indie creators and 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 just get to know a, f- a few more people within the scene as well. Definitely, man. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so yeah, if you do, if we do actually get up and running as a society again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to, uh, to yeah actually uh, meet in person and everything. That'd be fantastic. Oh yeah, it would. It would. I'd, I'd look forward to that. Great. Okay, Ian. Uh, well, thanks again for your time, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks again to Ian for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Ian's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.org for comic news and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Take care, stay safe, and bye for now.